Thanks for joining us on the Father's House Podcast, where we are leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online simply by going to thefathershouse.com. We'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week. Now, let's go to this week's message. Good morning, Father's House. Good to have you all here this morning, although you aren't here, but you are somewhere. My name is Ben, for those of you who don't know me. I'm one of the pastors on staff. And if you come to the Father's House, you can always find me. I'm the one wearing pants. (laughs) Good to have you here this morning. This is 24 years. 24 years. That's a milestone. That's an incredible feat. 24 years of service to the community, to God, to changing lives. 24 years. That, that is what I refer to as a journey of faith. It is, it is a journey that has required faith to be able to, to even come remotely close to, to reaching that kind of a goal. 24 years. And I understand, believe me, I personally understand the pain that was in that 24 years and the joy. I understand the, the, the marvelous victories and and sometimes, sometimes those crushing defeats, they're a, it, it, it's, a, it's a wonderful place to be, and it can be a very painful place to be. But in those 24 years, I did a little research, and I found that in those 24 years, get this, 120,000 churches, 120,000 churches closed their doors. That is 13 churches Every single day, seven days a week, 365 days a year for 24 years. Now, I, I thought about that. I thought, well, what would cause that? And i got to be honest with you, I don't particularly believe that it was strictly an assault of some demonic influence. But, but I will tell you, I don't discount Satan's fear of the local church. Because we do scare the, well, we scare him. He's still there. He ain't getting out. But there's a, there's a dream that pastors have. I know, I had it, I know Pastor Terry has it. There's a dream that comes upon you to see something start. But what causes so many pastors that I know stepped out with that same dream, that had that same war cry on their lips, what happened to cause, well, a loss, a closure, a, a, a defeat? That, that video we just saw, War cry. If you saw the movie, you saw that, that uh, he gets, he's riding back and forth in front of them, and he's shouting to them, freedom, 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 right? He isn't saying defeat him. He's saying freedom. And they're all standing there lifting up their weapons, shouting out to the enemy across that field, and they're, they're, they're bringing out a war cry of victory. What the camera doesn't show is on the other side of that field is another army doing exactly the same thing. They're raising their weapons up and they're shouting. But what is the difference between the two? What what is that difference that that brings the journey of faith to its fruition? Well, I think it's one simple thing. I think any journey of faith requires one thing in its conception, and that's vision. Vision. And here's the point I'm trying to make. As an example, the army that we watched is hearing a vision cry 
a war cry of freedom. And when they're looking out to the armies that are across that field, they are looking past them, and they're looking out to the ones that, to where they're going to be going. They're heading someplace, and it has to go through that army to get there. They, on the other hand, are looking across that field, and they're shouting that they're going to go out and have a fight. And all they're looking at is the fight in the field. And you know what? They never got past the field. They weren't victorious. What makes the difference between a 24-year-old church that has stood this ground and one that simply closed its doors, quite honestly, in general, is the fact that the vision gets lost. And where there is no vision, it says in Proverbs, the people perish. All right? And that's, that's 29.18. Where there is no vision, the people perish. A God-inspired, Holy Spirit-empowered revelation is far more than just simply a good idea. It is a God idea. And that kind of a, a, a revelation that starts a church and carries a church for 24 years is more than just a, a, a lot of people saying nice things about how good you do it and how, how it's really encouraging. I mean, it's nice to hear those things, but it takes a lot more than that. It's also a whole lot more than just simply wishing to win a battle. It's wishing to run the race and finish it, as Paul tells us. That is vision. So what, what is vision? Well, vision, for one thing, fulfills what I call the Hebrews 11.1 dream. The Hebrews 11.1 dream simply says, be sure of what you hope for. Remember that? Be sure of what you hope for, and what else? and to be absolutely assured and certain of what you do not see. Do you know what they didn't see? They didn't see the freedom. What they saw is an army. But their heart moved past the fight to the victory. And that's how they do it. You ask anybody who rides a motorcycle, where's that bike going to go? Where are you looking? Every time, where are you looking? Watch a golfer. I, just the other day, I was watching uh, the, the golf on television, which is an incredibly exciting Thing to do. Um, but I was watching golf and I was watching this, the, these pros get out and they're, they're, they get up and they lined up. Now they're going to hit a ball in a green area that's about the size of a small football field. But yet they keep looking up. They're standing there getting ready and they look up and they look up and they look up. And I thought to myself, what? It's not going anywhere. How come they keep looking up? Because they weren't looking at the field, they were looking at where they were going. And they knew exactly where they were going and what they intended to do. You see, when you are certain of what you hope for, when you are absolutely sure of what you do not see, that is when you can look past the onslaught of the enemy that's coming your way. That's when you can look past a virus. That's when you, can, you, you, you cannot stand here in the middle of this difficulty and not see beyond it. We, as, as followers of Christ... Have one who said, look beyond whatever comes your way. We're blessed to have a, a, a church that looks beyond. And, and we hope that, that we can cast that vision to you as well. So, so what is vision? I mean, what is the definition of vision? When I thought about that, I thought about the, there was a, a, an old jazz musician that I've always liked. Uh, his name was Duke Ellington. And Duke Ellington was once asked, can you give us the definition of rhythm? And Duke Ellington said, well, if you have it, you don't need no definition. 
And if you don't have it, well, there ain't no definition going to do you any good. We sometimes look at vision in that same way. But it's not that elusive. It's really not that difficult. In fact, not only a vision for a business or, or for your children or for anything, but moreover, for that willingness to stand their ground for 24 years, that kind of vision rests on three things, on three building blocks. All right? And here they are. Write this down. Foresight with insight based on hindsight. Let me say this again. It's foresight with insight based on hindsight. Now, if you're sitting at home, and I'm assuming you are, if you're sitting home or if you're sitting here, our pastors and our worship team are here, I want you to do this with me, and I want you to imagine this. Ready? I want you to point. You point at me, I'm pointing at you. Ready? I want, this is what I want you to do. Foresight, now point down, with insight based on hindsight. Let's do it again. Foresight with insight based on hindsight. Now, let's do this fast. Foresight, insight, hindsight, foresight, insight, hindsight. Now, here's what I want you to do. When you're standing in the grocery store and you can't find toilet paper, when the cells are empty and there's people walking around looking at you wondering if you got in your basket what they wanted in theirs, I want you to look at them and just smile and go. <laughs> and when they ask you what that's about, then you tell them, I have foresight based on insight. I'm, I'm sorry, foresight with insight based on hindsight. And here, let me explain that a little better. Foresight is looking into the future. That's what it is. You are looking past the here and now into where you're going to go. You're looking where you're going to go. You're looking where that ball's going to land, where that motorcycle's going to go, and where your life's going to travel. That is foresight. Based, I mean, uh, established on and upon insight, and insight is simply where you are. What is the circumstances? What are you dealing with? What issues do you have? What, what battles must you fight to get to that future? Don't ignore what's happening around you. It's not going to go away just because you're looking ahead. So you have to know what's going on. You have to be wise about it and, and, and use the wisdom that God has provided you. And the hindsight? The hindsight's where you've been. It's your experiences. It's your past. It's all the victories that you've had and all the defeats you've experienced. God allowed you to walk through those things and be here today so you can go there tomorrow, but you must learn from yesterday. Right? Foresight? Hindsight. Excellent. Excellent. I don't know if you said that. You may not have heard them. I did. They were all doing it here. It's good. You need to be doing that. Ready? So when you're in there, boom, boom, boom. All right. Good. First, Second Peter says this. Second Peter 1, verse 10. My brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. That's basically recognizing, seeing your foresight, recognizing your, your insight based on your hindsight. That's exactly what it is. But there's a second critical element that brings a church to its 24th year. It has to be conceived with vision. But the second one is equally important because without it, that vision isn't fulfilled. And you know what that is? You. That's exactly what it is. You. Because without you, that vision is just a great wishful thinking. It's, it's a concept that will never be fulfilled. But with you, that vision is fulfilled, and that's what God has in mind. Because 1 Peter says it this way. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 to 10. 
It says, you are the one, you are the one chosen by God, chosen for a high calling or priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him, to tell others of the night and day difference that he has made in you, from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. That is what you do. That is who you are. You are the fulfillment of that vision. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I have a tendency to drive around, and if I see locations that I think would make a great church, I often look at that and think, wow, that church would be great right there. It might be right in a particular community or, or maybe someplace that really needs the expression of God's gospel. But one thing I did notice, that every day I walk or drive by or ride by that particular lot or that open field or that place, it's still an open field. It's still just a lot. <laughs> There's no church there. And that I don't understand because, you see, if I can look at that lot and I can say a good church would be there, a church that could change the world could be there, a church that would make lives different, I don't understand. If I know it, how come he don't know it? Well, the truth is he does know it. He knew it before you knew it. And let's face it, you remember when we were kids? There's the steeple, there's the people, right? Why not? Church, why can't I just drive there, by there one day and see a beautiful facility sitting right there on that open lot one week later, one day later, and filled with people? Because God could do that if he chose to. Well, maybe because the instruments haven't gone to work. Maybe because the one who saw that lot didn't share it with someone else and watch that vision start to grow. Because where we're sitting right here was an open lot. Where all, each church that this church has been in, each facility it's been in, was nothing but an open lot. Or a hotel, or a, or a restaurant, or a gymnasium. It was someplace. And then one day, a people with a vision stepped up to the side of a man who was given that vision and made a difference. And this lot became a church. All right? That's what church is all about. But there's, there's six things that I found. Actually, there's a whole lot more, but I'm only going to share six with you, of you because pastor won't allow me to do my normal four-hour service. There are six things that, well, they can be vision killers, all right? And they have killed visions, but really, really they're, they're more like church hobblers or vision hobblers. And, and what I mean by that, it's a term I use often because I see it so often, Hobbling is something that you do with a horse. Uh, I, had, uh, I had a horse, and we used to, I used to go out. I was like a, a hobby rancher. And I would go out and work with other people, and we'd work with cows and things like that. And we'd take our horses out, and we'd uh, go all over the different places. And when we'd stop for lunch or maybe camp or do whatever we had to do, of course, we had to take the, leave the horses. Now, it's not like television. You don't tie a horse to a tree because if something spooks that horse, it's going to hurt itself. What you do is you hobble it, and that's simply taking a twined rope, an intertwined rope, and you put it around its lower legs, and it's, uh, it's about yay long, maybe a little longer, depending on the size of the horse, and that horse can move, and then you just leave the horse, and you go do what you do. And that horse can't really take off. It isn't, it's been restricted. I mean, it'll, it, as far as it's concerned, it's free. And it'll just walk. When you come back, it may not be where you put it. It may be a little few yards away, but it's not going to go too far because it can't go too far. It's been restricted. These are things that are so common in the church 
that I'd like to share with you because they're probably in your heart and mind as well. That they, we see them as truths and they're not. They're, they're, they're hobblers, all right? I mean, let, me, let me go through this. First, that godly vision requires everyone to be in agreement. No. No, absolutely not. In fact, it is our diversity that strengthens us. All right? It's not everybody has to be in agreement. It's important, however, it is important that every single one of us buy into and own the vision. It is imperative that we all own this vision, but it doesn't require a committee effort. I've known a lot of churches that worked off of committees, and I've got to tell you, they've accomplished some great things, but it took them a long time to get there. I've also seen things that have been more divisive within the church through committees. God has placed the vision for this church, the Father's house, in the heart of our pastor. And he has cast that vision to the rest of us. And it is our responsibility before God when we call this our church home to catch that vision and to serve that man and this church. That's it. Okay? So, besides, have you ever met a committee that could possibly come up with anything better than what God could come up with? Yeah. yeah. Come on. All right, second. Godly vision and mission are one and the same. They're the same thing. No, they're not. They're like apples and oranges. They're both fruit, but they're not the same. Right? They are not the same at all. Mission is the very reason in which the Father's house exists. Our mission is why we're here. It underscores everything that this church does, every ministry that it does. And you know what the mission of this church is? It's the same mission that every church that believes in Jesus Christ is the same exact mission. We are to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news to a lost world. That is our mission, period. It is not a mission to do anything other than that. That is the sole thing we're to do. However, our vision is how we do it. Our vision is the way we express our mission. And you know how we express our mission? We love God, we help people, and we build the kingdom. Pretty simple stuff, really. That is the vision that has been placed on pastor's heart when God said, go and proclaim my word. All right? That is what is, is required, that we might be able to, to, to be a people that can grow and move. The mission that we have is the why and the whom we serve. The vision is how we do it. Okay? Third, godly vision must wait for just the right opportunity. No. No, unfortunately, there's an awful lot of waiting going on in the world, and that's one of the reasons why we are in the stage that we're in, I believe. We need to be moving forward for God. And we shouldn't wait for the right, just the right opportunity. God's first command was to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth, and subdue it. And he never said, and do it when it stopped raining. Do it when, well, the sun's up. Do it when you feel like doing it. Parents, let me ask you a quick question, because I are one, all right? Let's just say you walked into your child's room, and that room was a mess. And, of course, you tell Junior or your daughter, whatever the case may be, clean up this room, and you leave. And you come back an hour later, two hours later, and not one thing's been moved, and your child's laying back on the bed with her iPad, and they look up over the top of that and say, oh, Mom, Dad, I'm sorry. Conditions just weren't right yet. Uh, I have three sons. If I heard that, 
their condition wouldn't be right. Because that would not be allowed to happen. The purpose of our vision is not to surrender to some preordained schedule. The purpose of our division is to create it. Our vision is to create that schedule, not submit to it. Okay? The future belongs to God, and through him, each and every one who is willing to shape it. Here's the thing. We're looking at a world that's coming apart, and I know, and believe me, do not misunderstand what I'm saying. I know and believe in the power of prayer. I know that prayer is the very glue that holds our hearts together in line with God. Prayer is the way in which we communicate with God. I got that. I believe that. But how long are we going to stay on our knees and not stand up and make a difference? Because there comes a time when we realize something's going out there that isn't working, and instead of us going out and helping it to work, we're praying for God to get out there. God's already out there waiting for us to come out. Sorry, I'm getting excited. Fourth, godly vision always eliminates risk. Read this book. You'll find those who, with the vision of God that brought us to this place we are today, risked it all, and in many cases lost it all, and gained it all as a result. All right? Godly vision does not eliminate risk. In fact, vision requires change, <laughs> and the natural outgrowth of any change is going to be conflict, is going to be risk. The Lord, the Lord, I do not believe, I do not believe the Lord will ever allow any of his children to ever be placed in unwarranted risk. I don't believe that. But I do believe that if what takes place and where he puts me and you is according to his will and perfect divine desire, then that is not no longer unwarranted. It is a warranted risk. Does that make it difficult? Sure. And that's why the world turns around and looks and says, if he's a good God, why does this happen? Hey, that kind of a statement says one thing. It says, well, I'm not responsible. No, we are responsible. Because we are the sinners. He isn't. Fifth, godly vision is set in a timetable. No. Just because something doesn't, doesn't happen when you decide it, when you said, well, you know, God told me that this was going to take place. I was going to be healed today. <laughs> I ain't healed yet. God is still the healer, and he'll heal when he chooses, not when you choose. We do not have a God where we make our order at one window and drive up to the next and expect to get it. All right? We have a God that is almighty. He is not a bellhop. We have a God who is divine, who is perfect, who is loving and compassionate and caring, and he will fulfill your desires his way, not your way. You turn your heart to him, and you will have the desires of your heart. How is it that that happens? Well, I, these are my desires. Those aren't the ones he had in mind. He'll put some new ones in there. Okay? So, timetable. A God-inspired vision, by the way. A God-inspired vision invariably outlives the visionary. This is my point. Our pastor has stood his ground and his life for 24 years. And there will be a day when someone else will be sitting here for another 24 years. And he, he's going to be here for another 24 because I can see him preaching by the age of 95 and preferably with pants on. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> Don't remind him of that. I could be looking for work. All right. But here's the thing. 
here's, here's the point I'm trying to make. A godly vision is something that God himself desires to be fulfilled. And sometimes he knows that it's going to take this long, because he knows it all. He knows it's going to take this long, but only this long he has given the man he's given it to. But that doesn't mean it's going to end. I know. I had a vision for a church as well, and it grew, and I was blessed by it. And I handed it to someone else. And I thought, oh, do I really want to do this? No, I didn't, but he did. And it's prospering beautifully under the hands of the one who chose to lead it his way, not mine. The vision is not for the visionary. Jesus did not die to give me a job. He died so that I would have eternal life and be able to share that eternal life. And last and six, godly vision is only for those in leadership. No. No. It is imparted to our pastors, to our leaders, but, but the vision is not exclusively theirs. It belongs to each and every one of us. Because he cannot take that concept and move it into a reality without you. Without you, it does not happen. We have to come together and recognize, particularly now, because it will be so easy for the enemy of our souls to use this unique event that divides us to keep us divided. We cannot remain that way. This is not something that's allowable. God's church was never always together. They were scattered, but they were always in unity. And unity is what we require both in every aspect of our life, particularly today, because I personally believe the end is coming. <laughs> I, you know, but, well, wait a minute. Uh, is it on a timetable? No, it took 2,000 years to get here. Listen to what this says. Because a true vision, a true vision given to a true visionary is driven by one thing, and that's to fulfill God's will. And shouldn't that be true for all of us? In Ephesians chapter 4, you know this verse, but let me read it to you and hear the words. Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all, not some, all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. You can fill a stadium with tens of thousands of people. You can have some of the best concessions going, great food, a whole lot of souvenirs to pick up and take home, new jerseys to wear. You can have good coaches. You can have good referees. You can have good owners and managers, everybody making this all ready to go. But if there isn't somebody willing to go out on that field, you don't have a game. All you got is a bunch of noisy people making a mess, and they're going to go home. And there will be no victory at all. The only way it can happen, you can remove those tens of thousands of people. You can get rid of those owners, managers, and referees. You can definitely get rid of referees. You can get rid of any of them, except allow the players to go out, and you will still have a game. And here's my point I want to ask you. Are you ready to be part of the team? Because we are at a point right now where the team must rally. Must, must rally in prayer, must rally in unity, 
must rally in, 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 the, in the fellowship, both in our small groups. We're doing it on Zoom, at least for the next couple of times after I figure out how it works. We're, 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 there's ways in which we can interconnect and touch hearts, and we must do that. And it's not to be done from here to you. It's now from you to them. Okay? That's what the church is about. I want to pray with you. I want to close with this. And if you're sitting in your living room and maybe you've come to church and maybe you've been in church for a long time, but you just, well, you just couldn't bring yourself to raising your hand because somebody might see. Well, ain't nobody there to look now. So I'm going to ask you, if you've never given your heart to Christ, I'm also going to ask you if you have, but you're never really sure if you should be on the team or what team you should be playing on. Get off the bench. And let's, let the coach, our pastor, figure out where you might go to, to play that team. All right? But I want to pray with you right now. And I want to pray for your health. I want to pray for your spiritual health, your physical health, your financial health, your emotional health. I want to pray for you. But I'm asking you now to join me in that prayer and surrender yourself to Christ and his leadership. Because you are the journey of faith that God has in this life for those around you. Let's pray. Father, I come before you now in the name of Jesus Christ. I thank you, Lord God, for the honor that I have been given to be able to share for a few moments on this marvelous day, celebrating 24 years of service. I thank you, Lord God, that you have strengthened our pastor and his wife to stand firm, no matter how high the waves go or how deep the valleys. I thank you, Lord, that you have strengthened them and encouraged them and empowered them. And now I ask for those who are sitting in their homes, who are separated from their church body on a Sunday morning, only, only by body, but certainly not by spirit. And I ask you to touch them. And if they're here, in heart, in mind, and in spirit, and they are ready now to surrender their life and their tomorrows to you, I ask you, Lord, that in the privacy of their own home, let them raise their hands. And I pray, Lord God, for all those hands. We believe in you, Lord, that you are the Son of God. We believe that you died for each and every one of us. We believe that on the third day you rose from the dead. We believe that you ascended unto heaven and you sit at the right hand of the Father. We believe you sent us the Holy Spirit to empower, convict, and bring us to fullness. We love you, Lord, and we thank you in Jesus' holy and precious name for all that you have done and will do through each and every one of us. Amen and amen. I'd like to turn this now over to our pastor, the shepherd and of our flock. Wow, 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 wow. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Listen, if you prayed that prayer, if you prayed that prayer right there online, would you just let us know, hey, I prayed that prayer. Hey, I, I invited Christ I rededicated my life. Would you let us do that right now? He said if, if uh, we're not ashamed of him, he's not ashamed of us. Pastor Ben can give you the words, but you have to give your heart. And, and then you need to let people know you prayed that prayer. So right now through this venue, would you just say on there right now, hey, I prayed that prayer. I prayed that prayer. I prayed that prayer. If you don't have a Bible, let us know. We'll send you one. We, we, we love you, we care. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life. 
and we'd love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps are in your relationship with Jesus, all you have to do is go to thefathershouse.com slash next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and build the kingdom.